people love you, they listen to you, and they respect you based on the way that you simply treat them and how good of a human you are. And if you haven't done internal work, which I know is something you talk about a lot, if you haven't filled in the gaps of the places that you're missing from a character perspective and you start bodybuilding or you start even more intensely like taking androgenic steroids it's just like alcohol and it's just like money it's going to enhance the shit things that you already are and those are going to shine through even more What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm Michelle Simhaley, and I am joined by the lovely Lauren Conlon to discuss your fear of being alone, some strategies that you can use and implement right away to find your flow state and meditation, and so much more. You guys are going to absolutely love this podcast. Lauren has some incredible insights, amazing self-awareness. So as always, leave us a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up and share us with your friends. Get ready, you guys. I'll see you inside. Lauren Conlin, welcome to the Grower and I podcast. Hey, I wrote a little bio about you. Did you read that? I read it really quickly yeah. and it looked pretty solid. So I'm going to let you take it away because my intros are horrible for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I took the intro portion of my podcast over. So Lauren Conlin, world-renowned online fitness coach and host of the Loco Fit Show, which is your podcast. And this redefines what it means to be healthy. With a holistic approach, she combines physical health with mental well-being, which is what drew me to you. Through education and inspiration, Lauren aims to positively impact the lives of thousands of women worldwide. Her passion and dedication make her an absolute force in the fitness industry. And Lauren, before we go any further, it is an honor to have you on the podcast. I've known who you are for quite some time. I'm friends with your friends, and they your name's been said on the podcast actually um, many times. So it's great to actually have you on. So thank you for taking yes. out the time. No, thank you for having me on. And honestly, I might I might copy paste, edit that intro a little bit and use that somewhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> when people are like, oh, send a bio. And I'm always like, who's the dirt? Like, yeah. who, who am I? You yeah. know, and yeah. so like we all think <laughs> we're intro. pretty cool, but like I don't think any of us can encapsulate like what we've done. Like our it's it's better if it comes from like a th like a third person narrative. Would this be a third person narrative? I guess this is um, a third person narrative. I'm not sure. Me creating a, your a, bio for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it was great. Excellent. World renowned. I'm like, man, that's that's some tall, yeah. tall shoes to film. But yeah, super excited to be on here. Um, and like I looked over the questions real quick. It's yeah. kind of the general vibe that we're gonna go for. And yeah. I'm here for it. So I, let's let's do it. Nothing's off. I'm pretty open. So I love that. So I have a question here about psychedelics, but we're gonna get to that later. But what I love, <laughs> what I love is when I can read someone's content. Like I followed you on Instagram. I read your stuff. I've listened to a few of your podcast episodes, which we're going to cover in here. Um, it's <laughs> you can tell that someone's interested in psychedelics without them saying that they're interested in psychedelics. <laughs> okay, so it's hilarious because I was, I was just at an event this, yeah. this weekend in Australia yeah. and mind you, I did not talk about psychedelics at all with yeah. these people. I had never met and most of these people who were there. Yeah. And we're at lunch. And then literally I'm just having a conversation with with one of the other speakers. And he's like, 
So do you do psychedelics? And I was like, <laughs> do I just like give off this aura now? And then I met one of the other girls who was attending and she's talking. She's like, hey, do you like breath work and meditating? I feel like there was this class you'd like to go to. I'm like, I am just giving off like hippie pheromones. Hippie vibes. Like, the hippie like, vibes. Like, just- <laughs> so, so living in Austin, Texas, I'm extremely well versed in the hippie vibes. <laughs> yes. Probably more so than most people. Yeah. Um, I've I haven't been to Austin in a while. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So but, it's, yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny, Lauren, I moved here and, uh, let's see, five years ago, 2018, I moved here. And I'm just, I was a 25 year old dude from Ohio, right? I, everyone's familiar with Ohio, real blue collar. It's, um, they kind of follow trends later. Um, you know, Ohio is definitely not leading the way with trends. Um, they, That's a really nice way of putting yeah, it. Yeah. They're like 20 years behind, maybe 50. It might be a hundred, but that's okay. Like who am I to judge? And every Ohio listener just signed out of the podcast. So, which might be good. Uh, I'm just hey, they I'm have great gyms. They have great gym, great fitness culture there. I will say that. And and the best part about Ohio, Lauren, mm-hmm. the corn in that state oh, is okay. unbelievable. <laughs> and I am a corn fanatic. If there's one thing I know, it's wow. corn. Okay. <laughs> I Random love facts. Corn. Yeah. yeah. In Ohio, it's all you got. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what's my favorite memory of growing up? Corn. corn. <laughs> so I don't really eat corn, but I do love cornbread. Maybe that shows corn. that I'm from Florida. That, but that I fuck with some I fuck with some cornbread. And there's also <laughs> this thing called like corn casserole. Oh, which yeah. I know sound it's like it's like a it's like a cornbread, but like wet, which yes. I, that's most people were just like, ew, no, no, no. If you see, if you're at like a good barbecue spot and you see corn casserole, get that shit. Honestly, it's if you see corn fantastic. anywhere on the menu, just get it. <laughs> I don't care how it comes. I don't care if it's canned corn. <laughs> so, so you, 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 you recently spoke at the event that you brought up um, already, the mm-hmm. UEBC that was in Melbourne. Number yes. one. I'm very jealous that you traveled to Melbourne and we're going to talk about some of your travels, but I want to go to Melbourne so bad. My issue, and, and you're going to destroy me for this and please do so. My issue is I did that plane ride. No way. That thing's insane. Oh, it's, it's I'm, I'm not going to lie. Anybody who's listening, who lives in the States uh, and is looking to go to Australia, it, it is, it's one of the farthest locations that you can go. Yeah. Right. Um, and at this point, so I live in Florida, which is all the way as, as East as you can get. And, um, so I flew, actually flew to Auckland first to go, um, my friends, I'm sure you've, you know, Eric Helms. Um, oh, yeah. so friends, with, friends with him. And so went and stayed with him and his wife and, you know, hung out, did some content, et cetera. And so there's, I flew from, uh, Tampa to Chicago, It's like two and a half hours. Okay. Uh, Chicago to Auckland is 16 and a half hours. You lost me. Done. I'm out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so mind you, also, we were like stuck on the tarmac before for like probably 30 or 45. I was talking to somebody. Ironically, the guy I sat next to was from Miami, which is hilarious because I grew up in South Florida. Okay. So anyways, we started talking and, but we left at like night Mm -hmm. and we flew for like all those 17 hours and the sun never, because by the time we got to Auckland, it was like 6am. Yeah. So literally the sun, it was pitch black the entire time. Like it's, I mean, it's brutal. I'm depressed thinking about it. I I know, but then you get there and it's so fantastic. Yeah. So 
it's it's been pretty bad like i i spoke in singapore a few years ago and it was a kind of the same thing like just just as far okay. um i went to australia a few years ago before that and it's just there's there's no easy way unless you're sitting in business class which is i mean it's just stupid expensive yeah um do you, like it's not do you even like about reasonable. how much you know about how much if it's under like if it's under like five g's i might do it I don't think it. I, oh. I literally don't even think it's under. Yeah, no, no, like that. Like I think it's like that crazy to where it's like I think it was. I think because the guy had, had looked it up because he was yeah. a pretty like tall person. Um, yeah. he was like an ex baseball player, like like big guy. Okay. And um, I think he looked it up. I think he said from Miami to Auckland, like round trip, would have been like thirteen grand or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like some, and and this is this is also. I just went in winter, which is like not their peak season yeah. at all. And it was still that expensive. All I heard is I need to make more money before I go to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, but, but honestly, when I went in 2016 and yeah. when I just went this time, yeah, Melbourne is the best. Like it, it it's it's fantastic. It's has like a very specific type of like hipster kind of vibe, but also okay. like if you want to be by the water, you can be like it's just it's just great. Okay. So um I, I love australia i love the people in australia i love the food in australia like everything about it is just is fantastic auckland was great too though which is new zealand i'd never been there but yeah um also also great just would probably not go back in the winter <laughs> yeah so you're 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 somewhat convincing me that the 16 hour plane ride would be almost worth it i mean yes like to you know, what what does Drake say? Papa Zanny, what whatever he talk when he talks about popping his annex. I'm just gonna take yeah. his I'm just gonna do that. Yeah. And you could, you could definitely do that. Like three hours. <laughs> yeah. So you could definitely do that. I I opted to not take uh last time when I went to Singapore, yeah. I took like a whatever the highest dose of Adderall is. Okay. My friend had it and she was like, Hey, just take one. And I was like, sure. And I literally like fucking worked the whole time. Um, just like a crack it. Cause I just, yeah. I just can't, I, I can't sleep really on planes, okay. you know? So it's just kind of like, no matter what, I might as well just try to stay up. Yeah. Um, but so I got some work done, some, yeah. some zone out time and yeah, that's fascinating. So 16 hours <laughs> into Melbourne, the next, uh, I, I have a, it might be a misconception about Australia. They're, don't they have massive bugs, Lauren? Don't they just like? Aren't their bugs just huge? Okay, I you, you I guess you didn't see it on on one of uh -uh. my posts. Uh -uh. I had a run in. <laughs> no, 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 like I'm like literally like like heebie jeebies. Like go no go. It's way. like yes, it's one of the last posts. Um, like two or three back, and it's okay. like the last slide. Um, I literally almost was like trigger warning. If you don't like spiders, don't watch this. Like it's. No horrifying. Way. So um I had never, like I said, last time I went there, I was there for almost a month, never ran into anything crazy. And then this time I was like rounding out like two weeks there. Didn't do you see it? Lauren, I'm out. I'm out. No, no, no. I'm okay, hopping. Listen. No, I'm 16 hours back on the flight that day. <laughs> okay. So here's the worst part. Here's the worst part. Okay. So anybody who's listening, um, so if you if you're from Australia, you're laughing at how pathetic I am, but I don't really care. Um, this is called a, a huntsman spider, which is basically they're like, oh, it's our garden spider. I'm like, motherfucker, this ain't no garden spider. It's the size of my hand. It's the size of a man's hand. Oh okay, my everybody. God. A man's hand. And it's the fastest. Like, like, so it's my last morning. Okay. So, like, backtrack. So Queensland is like 
north uh east okay. right and so it's kind of the more like tropical area and i'd never been there and i really wanted to check it out and i was like oh you know uh, so they have a place called the sunshine coast which is um kind of a more like beachy coastal type mm-hmm. town and a little bit more you know rural but not like not like the middle of nowhere right we're not on the sticks but so I typically, if I stay in an Airbnb, I never do the thing where it's like the person is there, like the guest, just because people, it is weird, but I found this spot and it was like a little studio, literally like walking distance from the beach, had all amazing reviews. And I'm like, well, I am in another country and people seem to be nice based on the reviews. So, you know what? I'm only there for two days. Like, fine. I'll book their their guest suite. Mm -hmm. Thank God. I would have literally, I would have been deceased if they weren't there, like, I don't know what I would have done. So, um, pro tip, if you're going to be in Queensland, maybe book a guest suite. So anyway, so it's my last morning. I'm like, all right, got to get up. I'm going to go for a sunrise beach walk. And then I had to, you'll laugh at this girl problems. I was driving back to Brisbane to go mm-hmm. do content with it, with the company that I work out, work with out there. So I had to like wash my hair. It was yeah. like that kind of a shower day, right? Like okay. girl things. And I couldn't just show up like a bum. Like I had to be like hair, makeup done, all that. Yeah. So I wake up, get out of bed, open the curtains, turn around, and that spider is on the foot of my bed. Literally, it was laying on top of me. Okay? No, I was having a stroke. Like, like a legit... Mind you, I'm in a big t-shirt, I have no pants on, and my phone is on the bed that the spider is also occupying. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, I, like I, Did you I scream? Was, Did you scream? Yes, of course. I'm having a... I don't do bugs. Nuclear fucking meltdown, okay? So, obviously, the bug, he he hears me. Yeah. And he starts to scurry. And, like, when I tell you this thing is fast as... Fast... Oh, my God. It was (laughs) repulsive. So, now, it's, like, moving all over the bed. And then it goes under the bed. And I'm, like... Okay, so I grab my phone. And I'm, like... I'm, like... Hi, good morning. It's a little early. Um, there's a huge spider in my room. Is this venomous? Because I'm like, this thing could like is either like a regular ass spider or this yeah. it's gonna like fucking kill me in yeah. three minutes. You yeah. know what I mean? My suitcase, all I'm thinking it's gonna like lay eggs in my suitcase. I'm and just, you're gonna I'm bring having... it back with you to Florida. <laughs> exactly. Worst case fucking scenario. So now it's on like the wall, which is how I had the video, right? Yeah. It's on the wall, and she she answers me, Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's all good. Um, but my husband will come down. Great. So it's it's now climbing on the wall and then it goes between the headboard and like the bed. So now it's in the bed. Yeah. I'm now toast, it's okay? inside of the bed. It's literally so then he comes in and he's like, Oh, hey, where is it? And I'm like, bro, I don't know. Okay. And he's like, Oh, if we might have lost him. No, 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 no. no. I'm, not fucking, I'm not fucking, I am not taking a shower until we fucking kill this bug. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, Well, I'll strip the sheets. Perfect. So I'm just standing there like frozen. I'm I'm not doing okay. Yeah. And then after several minutes, he's like, I don't know if we're gonna find it. And I'm like, no, no, I don't think you understand, sir. Like, I am I don't we think you have you to find this bug. All of a sudden, it's on the other side of the room by me. I'm like, oh, so it's on, it's like by the kitchen area. Yeah. And he goes to like grab it. Mind you, this guy's like literally ready to grab it with his hand. That's also disgusting. Horrifying. I know. So then it goes behind the fridge. He's like, Oh, it's behind the fridge. We lost it. And I'm like, no, we didn't lose it. Okay. It's going to come back out. And the wife is like, go get the spray. I know you don't like killing them. I'm like, fucking kill the shit. What do you mean I don't, you don't like fun. killing it? It's huge. They're all super environmental people over there. Oh, and I, I, I understand. It. No, no. Sorry. Not today. Nope. Not today. We're nope. going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. We're getting so, this motherfucker. We're getting him. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to spray. It's going to kind of smell. I'm like, I don't care. You could set off literally an atomic bomb in this fucking place. And I would not care. Like I am not leaving. until We are the exact same. And I'm mildly embarrassed to admit that because I would have done the exact same shit here too. It was so bad. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go for my walk. 
And I'll let you know when I get back and we'll search the premises. Yes. <laughs> so I go for my beach walk. I'm trying to like, you know, remain calm. Yeah. And then I get back and I, I see the door and there's like a like a black ball at the middle of the room. And I'm like, oh, it might be it. So I like, I'm like pounding on the door. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. and uh, and then he's like, oh, it's dead. And he just picks up. He's like, yeah, it's dead. I'm like, I don't see that. Oh my God. Just with his bare hand. I'm not that guy. No. I'm not no, that guy. I am. And, and then so I'm like, okay, so I'm, you know, obviously like, well, what if there's more, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm like trying to like shower and get ready as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and then like, I, as I'm leaving, he's, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, he's like, you were cracking me up. This was hilarious. I'm like, I'm glad this was so funny. I'm glad one of us was laughing. <laughs> one of us was having a good time. Um, but besides, besides that, <laughs> everything so besides else was great. <laughs> everything else outside of the long ass flights, and outside of the potentially horrifying um, insects that they have over there, it's a great place. It's great, a great place. place. <laughs> um, going over the jet lag is not as bad because traveling from um, east to west is is just never as as challenging. It's much easier to get on the time zone, mm -hmm. um, like circadian rhythm wise. It's a little bit easier, mm -hmm. and because um, you can kind of force yourself to stay up. But yeah. coming back, terrible. And, and you're also like excited, you know, you're like, oh, I'm tired, but like, I'm excited to be here. Well, the way back is just like way worse in terms of circadian rhythm. And then also you're just like, it's just like a really awkward, it's like Auckland was 16 hours ahead and, and Australia was 14. So it's just like a really awkward okay. like time change. So basically yeah. like so the past, like the flight home, it was probably, I was probably up for about 30 hours. I didn't sleep at all. And then I got home. I slept for 16 hours. I literally like I restarted my phone because I was like, there's no way it's 530 afternoon. <laughs> and then the next few days, I only slept for like three hours because I kept waking up. And then yeah. finally by today, but I like kept forcing, okay, like I got to go outside. I got to yep. like, you know, work out, got to do everything. So kind of feeling so like, you know, it does take a little bit of time in terms of like the jet lag. So the travel's a bitch yeah. and there's a lot of insects that could kill you, but Outside of that, it's great. Uh, usually, if you're in like the cities and stuff, you don't usually see, um, it, like those aren't typically there. Like where I was was a little bit more like remote and that makes um, sense. Totally worth it yeah. because it was honestly one of the most gorgeous places I've ever visited. Yeah. But um, the, the 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 Instagram stuff that you've posted, it looks awesome. Like it looks absolutely phenomenal there. I like so I great. said I I really want to go. It would definitely work best for me if one like I could just teleport there. That would be super ideal. Not have to deal with the airplane situation. Maybe just maybe in another life I can have like my own private jet that gets me there. It probably won't be this life, but <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even honestly know if you could fly private that. It, like, it, I, yeah, I, if they can make it that far, you're right. Good. Yeah, that's I don't, a good point. We're going the down closest, the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck, this is a bad idea. Yeah. It's like it's like the uh, you know, actually, no, that's too soon. I can't make a joke about that. Oh. Um, anyway, I'm not gonna make a joke about some bad. Um, <laughs> but 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 while you were there, talk to us about your present. Wait, what is UEBC? Yeah. What's that? So it's uh the ultimate evidence-based conference is is this group over there. They're called uh JPS. So okay. they have a they have a gym in in the Melbourne area. Um and they have so it's like a you know training facility, but they also have online coaching and they have a lot of like education that they provide. So they're they're really some of the forefront people in terms of Australia leading the way for like educating coaches and and trainers. Um and they've been running this now. I think this was the fifth or sixth 
think it was the sixth year. Okay. Um, they had this, and I was actually supposed to go in in, in twenty twenty, but you know things got a little weird in Australia in twenty twenty. So things got a little weird we everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, but especially in Australia, yeah. so we did. Uh, uh, when I went to Queensland, they're like this. The one guy was so funny because people obviously can tell that I'm yeah. from the states, and uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you're in like the Texas of Australia, and I'm like, oh, good, okay, good. like this is where we I'm, need to be. <laughs> this is where I should be. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Like their perception of it's, it's yeah. It's yeah. But, um, do you yeah, get so treated differently over there? Like when they when they can tell that you're like American, like you're you're a, an American woman. Do you get treated any differently? You feel like I I didn't yeah. I didn't feel like that. Um, I'm generally like I'm not like hey, guess where I'm from. You know, like I mean, people can like tell. You know, I mean, there was some stuff like like they 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 drive on, on the other side uh, of yeah. the road, so they also walk that yeah. way too, which I didn't put that together. Like okay. you know, when you normally like we walk on the right and the people pass on the left and then yeah. vice versa, like. They do the opposite. So it's like, oh, I look oh, like such boy. a dipshit when I'm like trying to like walk literally in front of people. And I'm like, why is everybody like, and my friend's like, you're walking on the wrong side. And I was like, oh, yeah. Shit. yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's like sense. little, little things like that. But like nobody, um, everybody is, is, is very welcoming there, at least yeah. in my experiences. And I've been to many different cities um, yeah. for extended periods of time. I would say, honestly, like more so like, 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 when I was in Europe the last time, like in Italy, like mm-hmm. it's definitely very much like, oh, you're American again, at least in my experience that I had. And I'm like, I'm not even trying to like do nothing. I'm just trying to like be here. Um, but there was definitely, <laughs> yeah, like there was kind of like a, like an air of that a little bit, but okay. over there, I, I didn't really get that sense. Um, okay. Obviously I, I, I speak the language. There's, there's no issue there. So it's not like there's no communication issues. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy outside of, you know, they, they say different things, but yeah. it, it's, pretty much the same um and yeah so everybody there is great but the the event is awesome they do it's it's usually a two-day event Mm -hmm. so it'll be a full day of just like you know the nine to five talk you know like the conference talks um which are fantastic and they had a really wide range of speakers every year but this year i got to see in person and it it was great and then the second day was the more practical day so we had like panels and and q a's and then some training and interacting so they do a really good job of 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 bringing everything together so like some fun a lot of learning some practical stuff so it was it was awesome what did you present about lauren so I talked about coaching through the diet cycle. So um, basically taking someone through before, during, and after. And, and and so much of our space only focuses on the diet. And they don't touch on, hey, what are we doing before? What are we doing after? And then I also touched on some of the like mindset and lifestyle aspects as well in terms of just like how to incorporate socializing and the importance of sleep and, and mindset stuff. So I really did a lot. I actually, honestly, I, I didn't even get to finish my talk. I was like, God, I thought I timed this better. Yeah. Um, Cause I'd practiced it, but I just, I just, I wasn't even able to finish. That's how much I had, which was a little unfortunate, yeah. but um, it was, it was great. So that, that was what I presented on. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's actually, that, that brings me to a, a question that I have for you. It's something that I commonly experience more so on the female side of things versus the male side of things. I feel like I have a unique perspective because like through my career, it's been very 50, 50. Um, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more guys and girls now. Um, mm-hmm. But women seem to struggle so not seem, uh, I'll say women struggle so much more with that post diet phase. And 
Mm-hmm. It's difficult, I think, because there's such a glorification that's put in a certain goal or a certain date. So if we're competing for a competition, if we're dying for a competition, there's obviously like, um, I mean, like today's like um, August 23rd. It's like you focus on August 23rd for 20 weeks and you think about that date every day you're doing cardio, you're training, you're hungry, you're hitting your steps, you're just focused on August 23rd. And there's so much glorification put in that. And it seems like that's almost an end date that people use as like, at this time, I'm going to achieve my goal of stepping on stage. And you know, then I'll also get to enjoy food. So this day is just going to be an incredible day, right? But they don't think about August 24th and August 25th and so on and so forth. And it seems like it's very difficult for them to then shift into the mindset of, hey, we still have to diet prolonged. Um and I, I hate to say the or else, but like or else there's repercussions. So Lauren, in your experience, how do you typically set people up for that post-diet phase from a mentality perspective? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, I would say that it's important to to back up to go to even before we start the prep or, or the diet. And I think that a lot of people are just trying to rush a, a diet and rush a prep. And there is a there is a very big difference, of course, between lifestyle and competition clients, right? And competition clients are usually better with the buy-in in terms of like, hey, if we don't do this right beforehand, we're not going to have enough muscle. We're not going to do this. But still, the, the eight and 12-week preps are still sold. I, I don't know how this is like still so proliferated. It's like, I don't know like outside of like the 99th percentile of people, like 12 weeks is not long enough for you to prep. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's just, it's just not. Um, and I work with mostly all natural athletes. So it's like, especially if you're a natural athlete, like that's just not happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so beforehand we really need to make sure that we're laying the right foundation in terms of, Hey, are we in the, the headspace to where we can be flexible and moderate our intake, um, outside of just like obsessively tracking these, these metrics and only focusing on extrinsic things, which is what happens when people are just focused on, like you said, August 23rd, August 23rd, it's all extrinsic. It's not about, you know, how am I feeling in this process? And now to be fair, devil's advocate, at some point you kind of do have to turn off those feelings a little bit for a physique athlete or even a performance athlete, right? Like if we have an end goal, like you're not always going to feel great, right? Like, so it's kind of like, Hey, we kind of have to detach a little bit in terms of how we're feeling. Um, so it's understandable how that can happen, Mm -hmm. but I would say that the important aspect is, okay, what are we doing before to make sure that the diet, we don't necessarily like bottom ourselves out for the diet phase, which is going to help us, of course, mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, but then it's also about like, hey, we need to start putting our like, well, and then also even before, before, if we're talking about physique competitors in particular, why are you doing this competition? Because mm. I see that the big fallout happens when clients are doing a show because they want to look a certain way. yeah, And they think that if I look a certain way, I'm going to feel better about myself or my life is going to be enhanced in whatever areas I think it's going to be enhanced in. And I can tell you from personal experience, as well as working with people that that is never the solution. Um, the 
the end goal of being on stage looks super glamorous and it is really fun, you know, and like everybody's carved up and you're wearing a thousand dollars Swarovski crystal suit and yeah. it's all, you know, you're prancing around like it's great. And then all your friends are there to celebrate. And it's so much fun. Um, but if you're doing that because you think that if looking a certain way is going to make you feel better about yourself, um, especially when we're talking about physique competitions, when you're literally solely judged on what you look like, <laughs> um, you're in for a very rude awakening afterwards. Because even if you look fantastic, right, if you've made incredible progress, you look like hands down the best you've ever looked. There could be 10 other people who look better than you from the subjective criteria for your division. And if you're not prepared for that, there is going to be a huge fallout. And then you think, oh, I just need to continue to compete until I get this validation that I think that I need. So I think that the reason that people have such a bad fallout from post-dieting and particularly post-competition is because they haven't laid the right foundation beforehand. They've probably rushed into it. Um, they haven't like laid the right foundational habits that they can use afterwards and lean on. But then also they're entering preps for the wrong reason. And if you're not doing this, of course, there's going to be some extrinsic like motivation that we have for this. Like there, I'm not just to say, oh, everything has to be all intrinsic. And like, no, of course, like it, it's not. There is extrinsic reasons to do this. And it is, it is fun, um, you know, to to work towards that. But if you are doing a prep because you want to look a certain way and you think that that's going to change your self-worth or your value or it. It's, if anything, it's going to bring it down. <laughs> it absolutely um, so especially because, and I know this sounds really basic, but I don't think that a lot of people really understand that the basics of a bodybuilding competition are you are standing on stage, basically naked mm -hmm. in front of strangers and they are judging what you look like. Mm -hmm. If you are not prepared for potentially getting last place in that kind of a setting, you're probably not ready to get on stage. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good point. I've never thought of it like that. That's kind of fascinating, huh? It's a very interesting, <laughs> it's a very narcissistic, uh, you know, driven sport. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. The term narcissism is commonly used in like a very negative connotation, but like all of us have it to an extent, obviously social media drives it. Something that I'm finding um, and so you work with mostly natural athletes. I, I, I would say I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. I, I work with majority enhanced athletes. People start, um, bodybuilding or people start steroids due to the societal pressures of this social media game. And they feel that they need to keep up and, and they feel that this is their quickest way to maybe gain some popularity or maybe just simply have people listen to them because they achieved a certain physique metric. And, you know, Lauren, <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, so I, I'm 30. I started bodybuilding when I was like 21, 22 ish. Right. And I got into it for the exact reasons I, I just stated. Now, later on in this, I still love the process. I love getting better. I love training. I love looking better. I love taking the pump picks, all that. The only thing that matters, Lauren, is how freaking well you treat people. And it doesn't matter your physique. I've never once invited someone to hang out with me because they had a crazy physique. I've never once wanted to just like be friends with a person because of what their aesthetics look like. At the end of the day, you know, there's this, this podcast reaches people as young as 17, 18. And those folks are obviously um, interested in some bodybuilding metrics. 
it just doesn't matter enough for you to risk your mental longevity. Physical longevity, sure, one thing. I think there's millions and millions of things that we're doing, like, wrong before maybe like bodybuilding <laughs> um, in terms of like the diet that we consume, some environmental factors, stress handling, things that like at the end of the day, people love you, they listen to you and they respect you based on the way that you simply treat them and how good of a human you are. And if you haven't done internal work, which I know is something you talk about a lot, if you haven't filled in the gaps of the places that you're missing from a character perspective and you start bodybuilding or you start even more intensely like taking androgenic steroids it's just like alcohol and it's just like money it's going to enhance the shit things that you already are and those are going to shine through even more so all of your weaknesses are now going to showcase to the world that well hey like I have this physique, but I'm also a piece of crap in these areas. And we see it all the time. And I say that because that was me. <laughs> but what do you think about that? What do you think about the current just push and trend of bodybuilding becoming so popular amongst, you know, maybe younger individuals who probably aren't in it for the right reasons? And they get lost in the sauce, if you will, before they put that internal work in. Like, where would you head if you were kind of starting out in this? Yeah, it's so interesting because when I started, I did my first show. I'm 31. I did my first show when I was 19. Um, and I went to my first, I went to my first show when I was 18. Wow. Right? So I was exposed to this pretty young. And you know, back then, you know, 2010, right. It was kind of still like the freak show. You know, you go to the bodybuilding show in Fort Lauderdale and everybody's yeah. weird as fuck. You know, it's very niche. You're like, where do these people get their clothes? You know, like, you know, like the old school bodybuilding yep. types. Right. And that yep. was everybody, but everybody was so accepting. And it was just kind of like, you trained hard, you were a little bit different and you enjoyed it. And it was this great process, you know? Mm -hmm. So I honestly saw that. And I was somebody who like loved training and I was yep. just like, oh, well, these you know, I started out LOL as a figure athlete. Okay. Um, and I was just like, yeah, hilarious. Which right? back then um, was smaller than bikini girls are now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it really wasn't as far off as, yeah. you know, and that was also when bikini had first started. And okay. I was like, what the fuck is this? It was like, weird. Oh, it was very weird, especially yeah. down in Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was like, all right, I love training and this is cool and let me just do this. Right. And, and there was just a different, there, there was really no, no pressure, you know, like there, I mean, obviously there, there's always been pressures, right. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you fast forward to 2023 and there is such a different feel to, I would say fitness in general. Right. Um, and you know, I know I kind of harp on social media a lot, but it's, it's been such a large push for this, like influencer culture, mm -hmm. um, has largely changed this. And then there's also, I was just discussing this actually with, um, on the iron culture podcast a little bit. And, and cause there's still, for whatever reason, this misconception that bikini is the bikini division is easily attainable and easily maintainable, which neither are true. Absolutely. This is not an easy, this is not an easily attainable physique, and this is not, nor should be, a maintainable physique. No. But people are still coming into it with this mindset, right? Yeah. And they're still looking at it as, because they see the end product, and they see the the stage photos, you know, and they see the carved up person, and, and they're like, oh yeah, that looks great. We both know as coaches and as athletes, like what someone looks like on a, in a stage photo 
is not necessarily what they look like in person, right? Like you're like, hey, are you okay? Like, yeah. you know, like like it's it's a very different look. Like I'm like, I was carved up for an hour yeah. on stage. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is a very different thing. But people only see that and they see the glamour and they they see this and and they they think that it looks maintainable and, and and easy. And then of course there's like all this weird, you know, pressure to your point of of people taking anabolics and and also just saying like, okay, if I look a certain way, people will will believe me. And there is like I'm not gonna lie, like if somebody looks a certain way, people are more gonna are gonna be more drawn to that person. Right. Like it's just like like people always, that's what they always knock the science community. Oh, these fucking nerds. They don't even lift weights. How are they talking about muscle research? You know? And it's like, there's a, there's a different space for everybody, yeah. right? Like yeah. not everybody, like you can be an intellectual and not necessarily look the, the part. If those people looked the part, then maybe they would have genetically been in a, in a different place and they would have gone towards certain sports, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. everybody has different strengths. So um, just because someone looks a certain way doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. But in today's society where things are so short form content based, where Instagram and TikTok are the primary places that people are getting information, mm-hmm. which is scary in and of itself. Terrifying. <laughs> um, terrifying. <laughs> And the stuff that comes out of the fitness influencer culture is even more terrifying because what you're doing to get the views and the likes, what happens is people are seeing these, we'll call them workouts, which they're not workouts, but they're um, displays of fitness in a 15-second <laughs> uh, highly edited reel yeah. or a TikTok. And people are seeing that and they're seeing someone who looks really good, who has a large following mm-hmm. and they're thinking, oh, I should be doing this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And well, let me follow them. Let me listen to them. And oh, that guy is definitely taking steroids because look at him. And I'll be honest, like we, again, we both know this. Some of the people with the best physiques take either nothing or very little. Yep. <laughs> so yep. there's also that, you know yep. what I mean? Absolutely. So it's not necessarily just about taking steroids, but people all fit you know get that there, there's this huge as well. tiktok trend and like these young guys talking about like trend and like using trend and like i'm what? looking at some of these people and i'm like you don't even look like you have a gym membership like what do you mean you're using trend you're you don't yeah, you literally the- look like you don't work out this is not the launch pad that you no. think it is. You know what I mean? Like no. this is this is the quick way. And I'm not against steroids. Like if somebody yeah. wants to take steroids, yeah. somebody wants to take any drug, like yeah. that you have personal responsibility and agency over your own life. Yeah. I'm good for I'm yeah. good with that. Um, I want people to be informed yeah. of you know what the potential downsides are. And that's what I I talk very openly about competing in this way because yeah. I think that people just need to be understanding of like what they're getting into because yeah. most people just see the end result or they see a coach who's like, oh, you can be a part of our team. Like you're gonna yeah. be great. Yeah. And then for what? You know, yeah. and then and then you end up and you're fucked up and then five years, and then you're gonna work with me and you're gonna be yeah. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and I'm you're like, you're gonna regret I, all of it. <laughs> I just I work with a large subset of people who have kind of been through the ringer yeah. and are now trying to normalize. Like yeah. that's the largest subset of individuals that I currently work with. So okay. I get to see all of that, okay. you know, and I'm happy that people are coming to me for that because I understand it and I'm very like, hey, let's like actually work through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really sad, you know, and I think that unfortunately the social media messaging in terms of whether it's influencer culture or just kind of the fitness industry in general, the way that it's so it's it's these short segments and it's this flashy stuff and it's just it's kind of bastardized bodybuilding almost it you has. know and especially with things like the you know men's physique which again arguably i would say men's physique has some of like the the most 
some of the craziest physiques in a certain way. You know what I mean? There are none of the, the, the weight limits, crazy. you know, so it produces like the top level people produce a lot of like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? Yep. But for, for all intents and purposes, the barrier to entry is still lower there, it is. obviously, than, than other divisions, right? So I'm not yeah. trying to, um, but like, you know, bikini and, and men's physique has has completely changed that and um i i love both of those divisions mm -hmm. i think they're amazing um but i think that like that coinciding that messaging coinciding with like what's going on on social media um has just completely changed and honestly even just like gym culture yep. like going to the gym is hurdling is tripods very, <laughs> it's so different like yeah. than it used to be you know yeah. and i um I've, I also, the way that I started training was always kind of like in like dingy powerlifting gyms. Like okay. that was like a lot of like, I just, I trained with a lot of people who were either like meatheads or like powerlifters. And okay. it was just kind of like, I thought that that was normal and that's yeah. what I did. And I mean, even like my first gym that I ever joined as like, you know, like 18, it was like a straight up meathead gym. Okay. Right. And I didn't realize that at the time, yeah. you know, and I was just kind of like, oh yeah, cool. Like, you know, everybody there, like kind of some vegetable people. And yeah. you know, we all 4 30, we're all working out together, like the fucking motley crew of Motley Crew. <laughs> it was like it was just like, but it was so great, you know. And yeah. like you look back and it was definitely like, oh my gosh, like what the fuck were you know, yeah. what were we doing? But like that was I still like I'm so fond of like those memories just because of like how training was mm -hmm. back then, you know, and then um I'll go to the gym sometimes now, you know, and, and I'll, I'm like, what is going on? Like, it's just, yeah. there's just a different yeah. feel, yeah, different feel to it. And uh, I feel like it's been a very large uptick. In, so in that. when I started working out, um, it was like weird to like record yourself in the gym. Like it was like, yeah, it was frowned upon. Like, why would you record yourself? Like, what is there to record in your, your yeah. workout? Like you're, you're there to work out. And, you know, now it's like, I mean, for myself with my athletes, I'm like, you gotta send me training videos. Like you have to record I, yourself in the gym and, and like everyone's recording everything. I know. And, 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 and to be fair, like sometimes a lot of times I'll be recording stuff for that yeah, reason, like yeah. not to send to a coach, but for me just to like, look, cause yeah. a lot of times like you learn a lot. And that comes from like some of my powerlifting stuff. Like you, yeah. you learn a lot from from watching your form, and also like Absolutely. you think, oh yeah, that was an RP seven. You're like, no, bitch, that was a five. Like, yeah. let's get it together. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you have to really like watch yourself. Yeah, um, because you'll you'll trick yourself. You but will. It, I almost will feel bad doing it because I'm like, I want to be like, hey, this isn't. It's not going to go anywhere. It's yeah. just for me, you <laughs> know. But me. like, and but I, I know people. I don't know. It's like this. It's such like a weird time and space right now because again like obviously i post footage on much less than i used to yeah. but like i'll post stuff you know what i mean so it's not like i'm like against people filming things but it's like there's there's definitely a how do i say this the right way like there's sometimes a need to document things just for the sake of documenting them Right. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, there's not much awareness right. about what we're actually documenting. There, you're just doing it to do it, not to actually like get feedback. Uh, yeah, or or to make it something that's actually useful, yeah. you know. And that's where it's like, and not saying that everything on social media has to be useful, right? Like, I'm I'm not like clearly. Sometimes we like to post stuff that's fucking funny or stupid yeah. or just like because we fucking like it. Yeah. Like, there's that yeah. too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that's okay. But like, there's just definitely this different, like, 
it's a this fe- energy sometimes it's, of yeah, yeah like I, I don't know how to describe it yeah. without it sounding like because I don't want to come off as condescending because like and no. I'm like oh well hello you post on social media like I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that um but there's definitely a difference now mm-hmm. of the way that some people are are posting and then there's always those videos too where people get mad at other people when they're like yeah. in their like the, that's the kind of stuff where you're like come on like, yeah, like, like that's he, a little he, weird. Yeah. That, that's just that's just where we're at in this point in time within this industry. But also, yeah. I mean, like people <laughs> constantly posting stuff from the gym on their socials. All it's doing is like growing the gym scene. All it's doing is bringing in more curiosity and more people to actually get involved into fitness. Um, mm-hmm. And I view it overall. I kind of view it as a net positive um, just because. Man, like even someone with just six or 700 followers or 300 followers, they can influence someone else to join the gym by simply documenting progression on social media. I think the only issue is, you know, one, like we kind of discussed with the TikTok influence thing, like if you're spreading like malinformation, I think that that's very harmful, especially to like young dudes who like they're expecting to take trend they're expecting some results to happen and like, well, I mean, trends just kind of an anti-catabolic hormone. So you're going to be really disappointed when like you don't build muscle from it. You have to be in a very certain type of diet training um, uh, regimen to be able to really make the most out of trend. And there's no way in hell if you're 22 years old that you have any idea how to diet and train appropriately for that. But um, a question that I have for you that I'm, I'm very interested to hear because you had a recent post on it. Breaking away from tying your self-worth to your physique, you had a side-by-side on Instagram of, I believe, it was your last competition that was five or six years ago, and to a recent um, photo of you and in, in your current physique, and obviously... I mean, you look way healthier now. You're strong. You're, you're, you look just very healthy. Like you look, um, like a, a fit, strong woman would look, but obviously on stage, it looks way different. When you see that side by side, we see that contrast. It's really intense. How did you break the tying your your self-worth into the physique and into the judging criteria what were some steps that you took to break away from that to get into the healthy state that you are now yeah so i i think for a lot of just behavior change in general right or any kind of change that we're going to make we have to get to that like proverbial breaking point for Mm -hmm. ourselves and anybody can tell you Anybody can try to help you, right? But until you feel that yourself, it's really hard, right? Mm -hmm. To make any kind of change. Mm -hmm. And at the end of my last season, um, I w it was about five years ago, it was coming up literally on exactly like five years. So little backstory, I grew up with an eating disorder. I started dieting very young at like eight years old and just, you know, had a whole lifelong of, of, of that. Right. Wow. So it was, it was kind of a, you know, not like I was in a calorie deficit for 20 years, but I yeah. basically off and on dieted for, for a lot of my life. Right. Okay. And, and bodybuilding was, was certainly healthier than being anorexic. Um, but there of course came a lot of other issues from that because, most eating disorders aren't necessarily based on that disorder. It's like the the underlying issues, right? So when people say like, oh, I traded one addiction for another, it's not because you're addicted to any of those things. It's because of the underlying thought patterns that you have, which are what you're going to go towards, which is why people can jump from like, oh, I used to smoke cigarettes to now I drink, or oh, I used to be anorexic, now I binge or whatever it might be, right? 
So, which I know is getting into a whole different kind of conversation, yeah, yeah. but so for so many years I was, was, was doing that. And I genuinely, I've always been an athlete. I've always competed. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the aspect of like, well, bodybuilding is fun. Like I like training. I like the competition aspect. I like challenging myself. Like I like all the, the, the mental benefits of, of bodybuilding. So there was really no issue like there. And I really did genuinely start it to be like, let me improve here and like, let me be an athlete and let me strive towards this. Um, so I wasn't, I never got into it or did it because I was like, Oh, I hate myself and I want to look different and, and whatever. But at some point, of course, as we all know, like you go through competition prep and then you come out of it and then you swing and then you're like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this look? And this and that, and then you kind of obviously might have some issues and I never really took enough time off. And then I would just diet and just hammer it. And I could get away with it for, for a while, you know? And, um, and then after my last season, I was like, I'm just, honestly, I was like, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just tired of, of this life. Um, I'm tired of feeling like this. And um, I was also really realistic in the sense of knowing that I had competed for about eight years. Um, I had competed for four of those years as, as a pro naturally. And 2018 was also when the bikini division definitely was making a turn in terms of what it was, what it was looking like. Um, and I was probably not going to fit that criteria. And I, I don't want to say oh, that my total peak, but I was probably within 5% of like my natural peak. Like okay. just being honest, like all the years that I've trained yeah. all that like work, I was, I'm hitting that top line. Were, were, right? were you just not really making progression anymore? You no, I, like, I'm just, yeah. I just was like, this is probably as, as muscular and as lean as I'm going to get yeah, yeah. Um, as a, as, as an individual Okay. and looking at the realities of, okay, how, what it takes for me to get, to get to this physique and what the the judging criteria is, is, is moving towards. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not really interested right now in competing just to compete. Like I was like, I, I either want to get better or I just, this is just not for me right now. And I also knew like there was a lot of other things that I just kind of wanted to focus on. And so I really just kind of took a step back and I said, you know what, I don't know when I'm going to get back on stage, mm -hmm. but for now it, it's a no, but it was a really, I had never really said that to myself, you know, cause it was kind of just like, and I never really thought, oh, I'm going to compete forever. But you just don't really think that you're going to, you know, kind of stop. You're just, yeah. you're just doing it. And that's yeah. just what you're doing, you know. And then, honestly, I just said, I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to let my body do whatever. Yeah. And obviously, I, you know, gained weight and, you know, this and that. It wasn't anything, like, outstanding, you know. But it was just like, okay, like, my body does not look like it looked when I was competing, right. And But I honestly was fine. I was like, you need to detach from this. Like, I had gotten to that that breaking point where it was like, enough is enough. Like, and I decided to dive more into business and, you know, focusing on, on all of that. And I really just started to pivot to thinking about like, okay, what are some other things in my life that I can put my, myself and my, like my work into, um, and not tie myself to just these, these, these types of achievements, which then started to unearth a whole host of other things. As I started to do a lot more like self-reflective and inner work, like a few years later, like, oh, pretty much everything in your life has always been about like, I'm really good at achieving and I'm really good at like, here's this tangible goal. Let me go get it. Yeah. Um, and then I started to realize that like, that was very unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, if that was all that I had. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you're a lot of people reach a place like this and then some people decide to like dive into it and other people decide to kind of cap it and still continue to go in that direction. Um, but I could just, right 
<laughs> this is my literal current life experience, Lord. Oh, I'm triggered. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. This is going to be. Is this a pseudo therapy session? I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You just the tables my have turned. <laughs> all of the remaining questions I have for you are all for me. <laughs> the task like how completion do... addiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this insane dopamine response to just task completion, success orientation, another task completion, another metric of success. And like, <laughs> as you are alluding to, I'm now in this place where I'm like, wow, sure have fucking completed a lot of tasks. I sure have done a lot of things, but I feel like I've done nothing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And it's this, I guess empty is really the best way that so I can empty. describe it, right? It's like I so kind empty. of got to, yeah, I got to yeah. a place where I was like, all right, I have everything that most people would quantify as yeah. successful and the things that I deemed being successful, right? I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a, like a millionaire with five cars. Like, it's not like that, you know, but like, okay, I got, I got stuff that I've, I've worked towards and I, I've, I've set on this path to do. Mm -hmm. And even like certain goals that you would, you would set, that you're like, I'm going to work so hard towards this, you know, and then you work towards them and then you're like, okay, next. And not <laughs> yeah. saying yeah. that you need to, just because you do something that you need to like throw a fucking party yeah. and celebrate forever. Like that's also not the answer, right? Which of course is like the societal answer. It's either like you need to like nose to the grindstone and don't care or every small task that you do, you need to celebrate and like indulge in. And it's like, no, 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 as, as usual, there's a middle ground, right? Um, so let me also, ask you, let me ask you, do you have that middle ground for yourself? Cause obviously this is going to be individual do you have that middle? I feel like I know this answer. I did a lot of research on you before this podcast. Do you have that middle ground configured? Do you think? I'm working on it, right? Okay. I don't think I have it quite yet, okay. right? I think that there is a, uh, this is a constant process and it's it's a lot more of this like gray area living, which is a lot more challenging, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's easier to either be very task oriented mm -hmm. or it's easier to say like, I'm not going to fucking do anything at all. Mm -hmm. Like that's actually easy too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, this middle ground of, okay, I'm still striving towards things, but I'm not placing everything in it mm -hmm. and I'm still working on myself and I'm still giving myself space, but I'm still like, like it's like this constant back and forth of like, okay, some days and some weeks are going to be a lot more striving other times are going to be a lot less. And I would say for me, like I'm certainly no expert in this. I'm mm -hmm. constantly working on this. But for me, working on being more present and fitting small things into my life that allow me to be more present and cultivate that has made my life exceptionally better. Okay. Um, so as an example... A lot of people think like, okay, I'm going to work really hard and then I'm going to go on a vacation. When I go on a vacation, I'm going to throw everything to the fucking side. I'm not going to do anything like none of like nothing, like no work, no routine, no this, no that. Just sit my ass down and do nothing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but a lot of people think that that's the default that they go to when they're super burned out, mm -hmm. where instead it's like, if you were to actually able, if you were able to actually cultivate like a presentness, which is not a word, but we're going to use it. Yeah, we use it. It's a word <laughs> for we're us. We're using it. A presentness <laughs> um, in your 
daily experiences or even in like smaller experiences, you would be able to extract so much more that you wouldn't get to that point of like total burnout. Mm -hmm. So I think the people who are very task oriented Mm -hmm. can either do that and then they feel empty and burnt out. And then it's like total exhaustion Mm -hmm. and then it's back up. And then, you know, so we want to kind of stop these, these swings. So for me, it's like, even as an example, like I was in Australia, right. And I didn't take off work. Like I was working now was i working the most hours no obviously not you know like i wasn't like going over and above what i needed to do but i got all my client work done i got my other stuff done and then i would say hey i'm going to spend 2 hours fully present in whatever this is like me and eric one day we went and like got all our work done in the morning okay we're going to go on a ferry take a you know 5 10 minute ferry and go like walk around and like nature and talk and like grab a meal and like great like that was it wasn't anything like Oh my gosh, like I spent all day just lollygagging. Like, no, got up, bitter shit, mm-hmm. productive, stayed on top of stuff. But like I was able to, like, when I do that kind of stuff, it's like I'm fully present um, and I'm fully enjoying that. And I know that sounds probably really minor, mm-hmm. but I think back and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing like a few years ago? Like, I, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, not that I not that I wasn't enjoying things. Yeah. Um, because I certainly was enjoying things before, but there's just like a different level of being present and aware of like just experiences in day-to-day. And and people make fun of me all the time. Like, I'm always like, you know, people like head up in the clouds. That's literally me. I'm always <laughs> staring at like clouds and trees. Yeah. And I know that sounds this is definitely giving off psychedelic vibes, but <laughs> I I just like notice things more now yeah. and I just like get so much more enjoyment out of things. Okay. Um, so I find that like that is able to help me balance and recalibrate that like constant striving. And also like I've started doing things um, like really focusing on like meditation, really focusing on um, different things of like just being mindful and, and present. Um, I love float tanks and like stuff like that. So like, again, sounds silly, but like once a month, taking like two hours out of my, like, like, I'm so excited to schedule this. And like, I'm going to get sit in the sauna and I'm going to journal and then I'm going to float and have all this stuff. And like, just allowing like that space to say, like, I'm going to fully dive in and dedicate to this. And then guess what? The next day I wake up and I I do my stuff, you know, but it's like, it's, that's where the balance is for me. And that's not a perfect system for, for maybe everybody. Um, but that's kind of what's been working. Are you familiar with the um, phrase, the quote, the whatever, that people who are anxious are living in the future, people who are mm-hmm. depressed are living in the past, people mm-hmm. who are like living in the present are, you know, whatever, you can say happy or you can say fulfilled or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, would you agree with that? I tend to agree with that. I would say largely, I guess, yes. But as someone who just is is a very emotional person, um, I can be very present, but also be experiencing, you know, depressive type feelings or anxious type feelings. Um, I, which are, are normal states, right? Like people can operate on those spectrums very, very normally. Um, it's part of our experience, but being present has allowed me to recognize like, okay, this won't be forever and, and, and being able to work through it, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take all that away mm-hmm. either. You know what I mean? So like I'm, when I'm feeling in those kind of more negative trait, uh, like states, um, it's not because I'm, I'm not depressed because I'm thinking about the past. Like I am, I mean, I guess maybe part of it. Right. But like, sometimes it's just also like an emotion, but it's like, okay, being present didn't just wipe that away, but it could potentially help me get over that faster Right. So I'm always thinking in terms of like, okay, what's going to make this at least not worse? Mm -hmm. 
um, possibly better because a lot of times we get in places where when we're in a negative headspace, we do things that actually make us feel worse. <laughs> oh yeah. And um, so maybe self, maybe a little self-sabotaging, would you say? A little bit. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of one of those things like when you're down, you're like, fuck it, I'm already down. Yeah. Might as well stay you down. Well keep you kicking know? the can. Yeah. And then also part of it, and this isn't for everybody, but part of it for what I recognize about myself is like, all right, if I'm in this down place, and I keep pushing myself down, well, then I never really have to confront where I know that I could be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I'll just get really far from it. So then it's always, mm -hmm. I got to come back up instead of being like, like hey, here's, yeah, like okay. here's where I know that I could be. Okay. But then if I, it, it's more of a fear of like um, rejection and failure in the sense of like, okay, if I know that I could be here and I try to get there and then I still don't get it, well, then that's, that's the ultimate failure, mm -hmm. so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. So if I just don't let myself get there because mm -hmm. I keep bringing myself down in a self-sabotaging type way, well, then who I'm not really to blame. It's the other things, <laughs> uh, even though it's still you doing yeah. it. Like, I yeah. know it doesn't really make for people who this is going to resonate with. You're going to be like, absolutely. Yep. People yep. Who, other people are going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, I would never do that. But <laughs> I think most people do it, but not everyone wants to have the awareness because we love confirmation bias that we're all okay. And like, we're all doing a great <laughs> job, right? We love that. So let me ask you, do you have a practice that you might lean into or do you have a, maybe a meditative outlet? Um, it might be the float tank or journaling for you when you're feeling the anxiousness come on or when you're feeling a little depression come on, like you said, those are very, very normal states for people to feel really daily, I would say. I mean, I think every day we feel depressed about something, happy about something, anxious about something, whatever, right? When you feel the ne more negative thoughts come on, do you have a routine that you do for that or is it kind of case by case dependent? I would say that I found the behaviors that help me, okay, like what's going to be like what's going to help me stay at baseline best. And then even when I'm in those places, I try to do that as much as possible. Um, so for me getting outside and going for walks, which I talk about all the time and I know mm -hmm. people like shut the fuck up about walks. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't care. Like it literally for me and for so many clients that I've worked with is a complete game changer in terms of just being able to like recalibrate um, on really like a daily basis. So you're hitting so many different like facets with outdoor walks that like just from a physiological and psychological perspective. So it's really the easiest way to like, because think about it when we're in those negative states, like it's like, okay, we just want to like not be outside. We want to like be to ourselves and we want to like stew and like overly process for people who are like over overthinkers in that sense. So for me, getting outside, getting that light movement is going to be really, really helpful. Um, journaling has been huge for me because I'm somebody who's always had like a ton of thoughts, like entirely too many thoughts <laughs> uh, for my own good. And oftentimes they they just kind of stay up there and they just spiral and they just, they they build, yeah. right? And then it's like, well, I had this one thought, but now I have fucking 15 negative yeah. thoughts. Like, holy shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> and journaling always sounded so like hippy dippy and stupid to me. I, I mean, so many people like I've talked all these years about this kind of stuff and, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's crazy. Like a few years ago, I would have been like, I would never be this person mm -hmm. talking about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, if I can do it, you can do it. Yep. <laughs> I promise. Yep. I'm the same exact so, way. I used to think it was just like hippie voodoo magic. No, journaling yeah, but then has you're like, helped oh, my life a ton. 
journaling is so powerful uh-huh. and and I don't have a fancy practice. Like I just have like, a, I'm going to write whatever on my mind. Yeah. Sometimes it's like two sentences. Sometimes it's six pages. It just, yeah. it really depends what I'm, what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I was off and on meditating for, for quite some time. Um, could never really get into it. And then I finally was like, again, kind of how we talked about at, at the point with like competing, just kind of came up on a point in my life where I'm like, this isn't working. Like everything is not working. So I kind of had to decide like, all right, what, what needs to change? Mm -hmm. And all right, all of these people who are successful, and I don't mean just successful monetarily, but just life successful, some monetarily, others just like, you know, holistically in, in their own sense. A lot of these people are sharing similar messages in terms of like, you know, journals and the walks and the meditating and, you know, your thought patterns and and your intentions. And I'm like, there's got to be something to all this shit, you know? And um, so I really was like, what do you have to lose? Like, you, you're not in a good place mm-hmm. and you need to get to a different place. So why don't we try this? So that's when I really decided to dive into meditating. And um, like, it, it was very hard at first and it's still hard. Like it's not, it's never easy. That's why I always tell people to journal first. Cause it's like way less buy-in, like mm-hmm. buy a notebook and write for five minutes is way easier than trying to meditate because it's, it's a very frustrating process. But as I started to meditate more and then I started to do the floats um, and I really just tried to dive into those practices and, and really just, again, go into it without really like, like an aim of, of, of anything, which is so different for people who are very task oriented, right? Like I gotta check. I gotta meditate better. (laughs) What does that even mean? You know, and and that's that's why that's why I would always stop. I'm like, I'm not good at this. Yeah, and I'm like, of course you're not good at because you tell yourself you're not good at it. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna be good at it. So now being able to like go into those places, like I I go to a meditation class a lot of times. Okay. Um, and so like for me, when I tell people who are starting this kind of stuff, the the floats and the classes help because say whatever you want, but. I got to drive there. I got to pay for it. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot more of an investment versus like me at my house, you know, mm-hmm. where you can be like, oh, fuck this. I don't, I don't want to do it. Or I have all these distractions or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, I forgot to cook this. Right. Like there's yeah. so many reasons. I'm not going to get up out of a meditation class and walk out. Like, <laughs> no. just not. So it's like, okay, I'm here for an hour. I got to commit, you know, yeah. or like the float tank. I'm not going to not do it. So yeah. for me, part of it was just saying like, all right, I'm here. I'm present. I'm going to experience whatever is here. And I've had some really great, great things with that. So for me, all those reflective type practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just having, um, developing deeper, deeper friendships over, over the past several years mm-hmm. has really been helpful because I always just, I, I mean, I've always had friends. I'm a very social, uh, you know, extroverted person. I, we, we've never talked before. We can obviously, we could talk for 10 saying, hours, you know, you like, I, I could, <laughs> yeah, no way. Right. I could talk. I could literally talk to the, my cup for yeah. like, I, I have no problem talking to anybody. Yeah. Um, but like actual, you know, friendships and like really sharing things like, Hey, like I'm going through this or like, I'm struggling with this or or whatever, like really leaning on people, Mm -hmm. um, was something that I, I didn't largely do as much. I also was in a very long-term, like basically married relationship, which of course is a different dynamic, you know, like you have your partner to, you know, to do that with. Um, so, but now like developing these, these friendships over the past few years has, has also been really helpful. So it's partly, it's about, you know, having reflective practices that, you know, that you can say, okay, on my worst days, Mm -hmm. I'm at least going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and even the the small stuff too, like, okay, when you're not feeling good, like, what do you want to do? You want to eat shit. Well, you're going to feel worse when you eat shit Mm -hmm. and know that Mm -hmm. you're going to feel worse if you don't train. Now, not saying if you're having the worst day ever that you needed to have the hardest workout. No, but Hey, can we at least go for a walk? At least drink some water, at least have a good breakfast. And then it's like, all right, okay. 
now the day is at least on a good foot. And then if it goes a little bit south, then that's better than than nothing. Or I go and I have a 30 minute workout. It's like, okay, yeah. I did something, you know? Um, I think it's just, we, again, kind of the cultural messaging around this, which I'm really happy that, you know, mental health has become so much more talking about mental health has become so much more commonplace. But what unfortunately what's happened is it's sparked a lot of talk and a lot of discourse, but not a lot of action. And a lot of people, especially um, just in the, the, the therapy space, they like to um, just talk about things and label things, but then the, the actual work that needs to be done often doesn't happen because what we feel really good when we're like, sharing our story or we're like learning, like, why am I the way that I am? Um, but then when it comes down to like, okay, now I know these things. Now I need to change it. Mm-hmm. What do I actually need to do now? That's where there's this big disconnect. So I think a lot of times uh, there's been a great surgence of, of talk in this, in this field, in this, this, this world. Um, but I think a lot of times there's, there's not action that's, that's happening for a lot of people. And that's frustrating because people are then like, okay, well, I have, I have these issues now. Like, what do I do? You know? And, um, you know, doing nothing is also not going to help either, you know? So it's like, yes, if you're having a bad day, like nobody's saying that you need to go like eat a hundred percent perfect on your diet and you need to have the hardest workout ever. And you need to like be this perfect robot, but it's like, you also don't need to go and actively make it worse because that's going to continue and perpetuate this cycle. So I would say I kind of have like my baseline stuff that I'm like, all right, got to do these things. And then if I, if I stray away from that for a few days and I can, I can now, cause I'm pretty intuitive and pretty perceptive. Like I can feel it. I'll be like, Oh, didn't do that for a few days. <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes it happens, you know, oh, I'm at a conference or I'm busy or I'm doing this. Like it just, it just happens. But I know now that I'm like, no, okay. I need to do these pretty regularly for me to feel centered. There's a certain awareness around having those uh, centering events. Like you're talking about, for example, yeah, I mean, I've never heard someone go work out that felt worse after the workout, go for a walk in the sun that felt worse, nourish their bodies that felt worse. I've never, I don't think that exists. You can't do something positive for your body, for your mind, for your spirit, mm-hmm. and then feel worse afterwards. Um, so Lauren, it's interesting, you know, you go to meditative classes. I think that is awesome. Um, something that <laughs> helps me tremendously. There's two cases I use it. I just had to use it last night. You know, I'm sure you're like me. Like I'm I'm getting the vibe that you're like me if I do sometimes your mind just won't freaking stop. And last <laughs> night was one of those nights. So whenever I'm getting into a meditative state, I always make sure I never do it at my house. I think it's kind of Uh, not to say impossible, but unless you have a a space in your home that's set up for you to properly get into a meditative state, which most of us probably aren't going to put that effort into, it's going to be really difficult to get there. I walk out to a park, which very fortunate, like in downtown Austin, we have access to such beautiful parks, like right outside of my door. Um, And I'll just listen to the earth. I just, the buzz and the hum and the sounds of the earth happening. Um, It's much easier to do at night, which is commonly when I meditate, than like hearing the construction crane, like, you know, like whatever, making the noise. Yeah, it's terrible, like a car honking. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, I was almost there. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I absolutely love just focusing in on the buzz and the hum. I I, I throw my phone like I I literally my the back of my phone's like a little bit shattered because I keep throwing it like away from me. <laughs> like like I want it out of arm's distance, like at the gym or when I'm meditating, and I've like tossed it so many times. <laughs> like the back of it's a little cracked. Yeah, like, it's terrible. Fuck. Yeah, like oops, my bad. But I just I, I get in tune with the buzz or the hum of the earth, and it takes some time. Um, and like I'll pick out how many layers of sounds I can hear, um, mm-hmm. like how many different things can I pick up on right now, and that gets me into such a flow state and such a deeper level of consciousness that I feel like it's almost foolproofed. Again, for me, I have no idea if this actually works. Like in terms of a psychological theory, for me me, it has been phenomenal and instrumental in me allowing to get to that place. Is there anything that you have picked up on from the, the meditative class that maybe you could share with the listeners of this podcast that this is what helps you be able to get into that flow state um, of meditation? Yeah. So I would say the first thing for me that's that's really useful um, is just allowing, literally allowing myself, like however long this predetermined amount of time is, like I am going to fully dive into this, which I think is partly why the floats and meditation class have been easier for me is because they are an hour long where it's like, if normally like a normal meditative practice that you would, you would do or, or be encouraged to start might be like a 10, like, Hey, just do 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of benefits to that. But for a lot of people just dumping right in for 10 minutes is, is really challenging. Cause you know, like it's going to take me a little bit of time to get settled yeah. and I gotta, you know, like, it's just, it just, it's not a lot of time. Yeah. So for me having like that, giving myself that space to have that longer amount of time, I think is, is really useful. So like when people were like, well, I, I don't, I don't have an hour. It's like, you don't have to do it every day. Now, if you meditated every day, would you have more benefits? I would say probably yes. But if you're going to do zero times versus one time, you know, like we always have to look at like, what's the net positive. Yeah, so yeah. I would say having enough time and really, again, kind of committing to that amount of time to be like, I'm going to completely detach here and let myself just go. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, the misconception with meditating um, or just being present in general and mindfulness is that you have no thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not what's happening. You know what I mean? Um, you're not sitting there and like all of a sudden you just, you know, you close your eyes and then you just stop thinking. That'd be like nice. That, yeah. <laughs> fucking sign me up for whatever yeah, that is. Cause yeah. it's also certainly not psychedelics. Cause that has me on a, <laughs> that's the opposite. Whole different, that's a whole different planet of. If like, there's no thoughts going on, I think you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I think, sure you're, you're I think you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so for, I think everybody needs to get that, that thought out of their mind too. Right. And I think that what's useful is to have some type of ground, like you mentioned, which, you know, again, I don't really know necessarily the terms, but what you described is, is a great way of getting into that. Cause you're like, all right, let me like, listen to this. Let me think about what I'm hearing. Um, it's kind of like in the meditation class, we'll do like the chakra balancing, right? So it's like, you go through the different layers and it's like, all right, like we're now in the chat, you know, here and like, think about this area and like, think about the space, like, you know, here and around you and then in space. And um, Dr. Joe Dispenza has a lot of great meditative type stuff if you guys are interested in in, in this as well, like if you like to read or, or listen to things. Um, 
So there's so many different ways to do it, but really being able to focus in on, on certain things in terms of like your body. And it can even just be breath. Like, okay, like, let me really think about like breathing and like actually doing like a long, like inhale and like a long exhale. And let me think of like where my body is or to your point, like sounds, whatever it might be. Now it's a lot easier for me to, to get into that. So then when I go into something like a float, which is completely sensory deprivation, which I prefer personally, like I can get a lot more out of that when it's no sound, no sight. Um, I can tap right in a lot easier with that. Um, so for some, that's why most people meditate better with their eyes closed as well, because if you have so much input, it's just, it's just like impossible. Yeah. Um, and that's why also when people do psychedelic, all the, the, um, all the psilocybin trials for, for the most part, like they are like all the research is done with an eye mask. Okay. So you are, because if you were having hallucinations, like they're fun, yeah. right? But you're not necessarily getting a lot of work done out of that because you're distracted by all this sensory input. Uh, Whereas if you're able to have an eye mask and everything's pitch black and you can f- narrow your focus, you might still be seeing things, you know, like having visions, but like it's going to be different. Yeah. Um. So I would say focusing on on something right so some people are like okay I focus on the middle of my forehead some people focus on breath some people focus on sound um whatever it might be the space around your body then you're able to quiet things down and then again I don't think that it ever gets silent but what ends up happening for me at least is that I'm able to connect with myself better and then what needs to come forward typically comes forward in terms of like whatever I need to hear is what will come forward mm-hmm. um some people can use like prayer in a meditative way, right? Like if you're if you're somebody who likes to pray to you know whatever that might look like for you, um, that can be a type of meditation as well, right? Where it's like, hey, like this is what I'm like, this is what I'm seeking, right? Like I need guidance here, or I need information here, or whatever. And then if you are quiet enough, then you can sometimes hear that. So I think it's really about it's about quieting your you know your body and your mind, but never quieting it to be completely silent. So I think we need to just get rid of that like notion. Yeah. And then really what's going to happen is when you are able to silence that, then what you do need to hear is going to come forward. And sometimes I'll hear, like, sometimes I'll be meditating or trying to meditate and I'll be like, this like fucking thought is just like literally banging me. And I'm like, <laughs> what the, and then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe that's what I need to focus on. Yeah. You know what I mean, like yeah. clearly, and I'm not talking about like, oh, you didn't do the dishes. I got to do payroll. Like not stuff like that. Like yeah. actually like something that matters. And you're like, okay, this is clearly what I need to like work on, you yeah. know? Um, and it's a process. And I would say also like, it's just like anything it's really hard. And what's, what was really hard for me, which is probably what you'll relate to is it's not like did it like made more progress, like got deeper, like, like, yes, but it's all subjective. You know what I mean? It's not like, not like I, I squatted hundred pounds. Now I squatted 110, you know, it's like, did I meditate better? Did I not like, you, you know, so it's, it's one of those things that's, that's a lot harder to navigate your progress, which is why I think it's frustrating for people. Um, it was certainly frustrating for me for all the years that I was trying to do it. And then I pretty much just had to say like, you know what, fuck it. I, what do I have to lose? You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm clearly in a spot where I need it. And even to this day, I've had some absolutely life-changing, incredible experiences when I'm meditating. And these are sober. These are not like I'm blasted off my mind. Mm-hmm everybody can just get that thought out of their mind. Um, I've had literally like, I mean, I'm talking like visions and things that have come to me that are really, really incredible. And it's only because I've been able to create that space. So, but even in those profound moments, 
that that's not the every experience. First of all, I'd probably actually be fucking insane if that was the, if that was the case. Like Jesus, like, I'd, I'd literally be insane. You'd be one of the. I would. Li- yeah, yeah, I, I would. <laughs> yeah, I would literally have my psychotic break if every time I meditated, I had like a vision. But yeah. like, you know, it's one of those things that. Like the the payoff is really great when you're when you're able to get there, but it's also not every time. Yeah, you know. So I think a lot of times we think like, oh, I got better at it. I must, I must feel great after every session. Again, it's like you don't usually feel worse after a workout, but not every workout's your best workout. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it's the same thing. It's like not every session is the is the most profound session. Yeah, uh, and that's okay too. So it's fascinating. There's no quantification of like progressive overload within meditation, like there is most like us being task completers, if you will. There's not like, it's kind of about chasing that overloading metric and there's none in that. It's, it really is kind of a space where you can just be as you are and to yourself, you're kind of good enough in that space, just working through whatever it is that presents itself to you. So Lauren, Mm -hmm. I have one more question for you. Yeah. This was my favorite post that I reviewed of yours. And mind you, that's out of hundreds of posts. Yeah. Decreasing negative behaviors. This mm-hmm. this was this was a while back. <laughs> I'm like, deep. yeah, which one was deep? One is that? deep. This was I don't think this was 2023. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do the I do the I've had a lot of posts. So yeah, you there's, have a lot there's of that. Posts. But it makes it super easy to come up with a podcast uh, topic with you. Your Instagram post said, inner work is painful, but going to those depths is how you'll reveal the light. So what I want to hear from you, was there an event that occurred in your life that gave you a harsh reality of like, oh shit, Lauren, this needs to change because it wasn't aligned with who you wanted to be or how you wanted to be perceived or the way that you wanted to show up for the people that look up to you? Yeah. And I I, kind of wish I had like a more... Like a, like a crazier story mm-hmm. about this, right? Like I wish I had like, oh, and it was one day on <laughs> August 23rd, I woke up and it, it really wasn't like that. It was, uh, I would say in, in 2020, I I kind of just started to have these these feelings of like something is, is off, mm-hmm. like something is off. And again, like kind of look around and most things in my life are, you know, pretty stable, mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, you know, obviously I know 2020 was when, you know, everything kind of went a little haywire with COVID, but living in Florida, my life was not too, too affected. Of course, my life was affected, but not certainly in the way that some people's was. So it wasn't like, oh, I was locked in my house for six months and that's why this happened. It was nothing like that. Um, but I just kind of had this, this feeling of like, this isn't, this kind of feels empty, you know, and, and, and no real one event, um, outside of, all right, like, certain things are no longer in alignment. And, um, you know, there was some, you know, relationship dynamics that had started to change as well for me and some, some, just a lot of things like that, like, but like little things, you know? And, um, I was like, you know what, I, I, something is, is, is not right here, you know? And, um, I also, you know, started to, at that point at, at the end of 2019, I had started training jujitsu okay. and, um, which was totally different than anything that I'd ever done. And not that that necessarily sparked, I feel like something, but it was more so like, wow, this is a whole nother like world and like a life, you know? Um, And this was something that was so different and um, on so many different levels, like physically, mentally, and just like schedule wise. And, and I kind of, I don't know, I think like all the pieces kind of came together to be like, what you were doing isn't everything. Like 
like this, there's more to your life than you're not necessarily tapping into, yeah. which is why I think I was being nudged to be like, you need to do more. This is out of alignment. So there was nothing like one stark thing, but I really, that was kind of when things started to like unearth for me. And then by the end of 2021, I was like, all right, like really need to make some changes here, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And then basically since the beginning of like 2022, I was like, all right, gonna really dive into like myself and like yeah. figuring out like why am I like this? You know what I mean? And like, what, like clearly all these patterns in my life stem from, from somewhere. And that's a continual work in progress, but, um, and it's been less about figuring out like, why am I like this? And more so like, how can I operate in a way that is, is better, is more present, is more aware, is more open. Um, I would say not that I was a closed off person before, but I would say that I'm like significantly more open than I was before. Um, more like, reflective, more understanding, um, listen a lot more, like those types of things. And and part of it also too, is just coinciding with like getting older and like, you know, more life experience and like everything kind of came to a head together. But I've since probably 2022, like really put in a lot more effort into like the, the inner work for myself. And, um, I certainly think that there are some therapists out there that are that are amazing, but I would say that this has all been like self-led. And any good therapist would tell you this too. Like, no matter how many times that you meet with them, um, you still have to do that work on your own. It's just like a coach. Like, yeah. like it, it they're there to to guide, but ultimately you're the one who has to do that work. Like you're the one who has to fucking get up and journal. You're the one who has to go and do the things that are gonna make you better and 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 trial and error. So um, there really wasn't one thing, but it was enough for me to be like this is no longer in in alignment with me. And now it was kind of like, okay, I'm kind of, I guess, changing and and, and growing as, as an individual. And it's been, it's been interesting. And I, I feel different, which is, which is nice. Um, and like I said, just being able to be more like, kind of like looking back, like, what the fuck was I, like, what was I, like me and I were having this conversation the other day. We were like, what were we, what did, she's like, what did, I, what did I do five years ago? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like. You thought like, you had really your shit together and it was just a mess. <laughs> Everything's like, on fire. Like, shit, shit was together, but it was like, like her example, like she was at like a, she went to like a, like a wine bar and literally yeah. like by herself and like ordered a glass of wine and like was like reading a book. And yeah. she's like, I would have never done this five years ago. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, it's just like little silly stuff like yeah. that, that it was like now and like i've I've traveled i've always traveled but i've traveled a lot more i've done some solo traveling which has been really um interesting and and insightful as well and just like spending being more comfortable spending time alone and not um and with that time alone being able to like listen and hear those types of things because as someone who's very extroverted and very talkative and like always want like when I'm with people like I'm with them you know like I want to be very present I don't want to be in my phone like I want to be fully there immersed in the experience because that's just who I am as a person um but the problem with that is that when I'm when I'm doing that I then often don't get to like hear myself Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and like maybe what I need so it's like if I'm always like always doing that always going and going okay well I need to take some some time to myself and by myself. Um, so I think a lot of it too was, was learning to be okay with that and like not filling those spaces with other things to do, yeah. but instead more of like that stillness and then letting like things come to me. 
Yeah, fascinating. I think something that we can all use more of is more alone time, more time to just sit there, be introspective on what we're doing. I love the concept of going out, having a glass of wine by yourself, keeping the phone away, just admiring what's going on in the room, admiring people's energy. It's so it's so, it's so fun. And like people ask me all the time, like, you travel by yourself? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, I fuck off by myself yeah. so much it's like literally the best time <laughs> yeah. um and like yes i go to restaurants and sit there yeah. and like it's it's by not myself. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. now i will say there are to to counter that so when i say alone time i don't just mean alone like i'm gonna scroll on my phone and i'm gonna like binge watch something and i'm gonna distract myself right because a lot of people equate alone time to that yeah and that is the opposite of what we're trying to talk about right now right alone time being alone with yourself and your thoughts to process and confront things um and not to avoid and distract i do think that a lot of people are missing quality social time so i don't want people to think to hear this and go oh i just need to isolate myself from people No, no 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 You certainly can spend time with other people, Um, but what you don't want to do is just have alone time where you, what most people do is they have alone time, but they're not alone. Like they're just distracted. (laughs) So it's like, we want to have true alone time where you are alone with yourself and your thoughts. And then you want to have true in-person interactive time where you're engaged with people. So right now we're kind of having, most people have the worst of both worlds. They're alone, but they're distracted. <laughs> so it's like, you're not getting any of the benefits of, of, of truly being alone in that sense. So I just want to make sure that that comes across right. And I don't want people to hear that and think that I'm saying, oh, don't spend any time with people. I just want to spend alone time where you're truly able to confront things because it's really easy to isolate yourself, but really just be distracted. I think like with anything else, it's just like find that healthy balance. Like where's the healthy balance of where your social battery is charged, where your personal battery is charged, and you can continually kind of grow from that place. So Lauren, I think there's some phenomenal insights in here from people. I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your personal growth journey. I absolutely love hearing it. You're a dope person. You're an inspiration to thousands and thousands of women. Um, For the fans that you're going to pick up from this podcast, where can they find you on Instagram? And also make sure to plug your podcast as well. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Lauren Conlon, L-A-U-R-I-N. You spell it right, you will find me. (laughs) And then my podcast is The Loco Fit Show, where we cover all different topics from nutrition, training. We have a mental health uh, professional on our show as well. So a lot of mindset and uh, therapy related topics. And then our website is Team Loco Fit. And pretty much if you go to my Instagram bio, you'll see any link that is relevant for for me in, in any way. Um, trying to get back on YouTube. So uh, stay tuned for that. But that's also under my name. <laughs> I highly recommend going and checking out and just reading some of the captions that Lauren has on Instagram. You're very well spoken. You definitely have some great insights. So again, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys, make sure to share this podcast with your friends. I think it help a lot of people. And as always, we appreciate the shares. We appreciate the thumbs up, the subscriptions, yada, yada. You guys know the whole spiel. So from myself, from Lauren, from the Girl I Podcast. We'll see y'all next time. Peace.